What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, we're a week into free agency. These landing spots are becoming clear, and although us as Dynasty managers, Ryan, aren't maybe as thrilled as we thought we might be 10 days ago or so when we were hoping for for the great landing spots for all these position players. Uh, there are some diamonds in the rough and maybe some, some guys to get excited about and adding dynasty value. Yeah, that kind of seems to happen every year. We, we foresee uh, new landing spots and ideal situations for, for every player, and of course that doesn't happen. Uh, some of them land in bad spots. Some of them just go back to where they were and and that feels a little boring sometimes or, or feels like a letdown but yeah if you dig deep enough we can definitely take advantage of of some of this recent news yeah matt last week we touched on the aaron jones re-signing that happened right before we recorded since then there have been a lot of signings and like ryan touched on there sometimes there's just too much disappointment when you see these landing spots yeah, and I mean, there's a couple that I'm excited about. There's sure. there's there's ones that are head scratching, of course, and you know some of the some of the best ones are maybe ones where they just went back to their own teams. Yeah, those are some of the best ones. Uh, Aaron Jones is probably probably going to get a lot of votes for the guy who gained the most value or held on to the most value when it comes to that. Since we covered Jones last week, we're going to kind of sidestep that conversation. Uh, If you want to hear that, you can check out last week's episode of the podcast. We are going to go through all the other signings that happened in the last six or seven days, and we might as well start at the top. We'll kind of hit the big names first and then try to touch on some of the lower-named guys that that could make an impact for our Dynasty rosters. The top name on our list, Ryan, Juju Smith-Schuster with Pittsburgh. He inks a new one-year deal worth $8 million. It's an interesting return, maybe the guy that you were alluding to there, Ryan, because there are other wide receivers in tow there in Pittsburgh, an aging quarterback, a lot of... A lot of ho-hum feelings for me when it comes to Juju landing back in Pittsburgh, especially when you consider the reports that were out this week that said he could have potentially moved on for more money to Baltimore or maybe even the Chiefs. Yeah, it does feel like a little bit of a disappointment, mainly because of of what you just said there, that the Chiefs were rumored, the Ravens were rumored, which uh, that was actually kind of my preferred landing spot as, as somebody who's a Juju fan and has him on some rosters. Um, 
so it, it's a little bit surprising, but I think the with a lot of these players, I think this the salary cap, uh, this year's salary cap and the expected increase of the salary cap next year played a big role. We saw Juju uh, settle on that one-year deal, and, and maybe he took that uh, versus or over a multiple-year deal with, uh, with one of these other teams. It certainly would have been fun to see him lined up across from Tyreek Hill, though, for sure. Um, in, in the end, I, I think we kind of see another year of, of what we got last year. Uh, Juju's been steadily losing dynasty value. But, I mean, he he led that, that Pittsburgh trio in snap uh, snap rate. He led the, the team in uh, receptions as well. We just kind of know what they are. They're all going to be short. It's going to be short stuff, and um, – it just feels like he's not going to make a big play the entire year. So, uh, honestly, I, I think he kind of continues on that trend. I think he'll uh, basically maintain or maybe even lose some more dynasty value. I think he will be a good uh, trade target, honestly, leading up to this time next year when he'll be free agent, a free agent again. Yeah, and then maybe cash in on a big, lucrative, long-term deal somewhere else. Hopefully those potentially good landing spots are there for him again next year. When you look at Juju's stat line from 2020, it's kind of shocking to see the 97 receptions that he had, which isn't far behind that big breakout season in 2018 when he had 111. It's just back then he was averaging 12.8 yards per catch. This year, just 8.6, as you said there. A lot of underneath routes, so many crossing routes. Just, Just crossing it two yards down the field and Ben would dump it off. And as a fantasy manager, you say, okay, point. I'll take the point and then it turns into a six yard gain and, and you're like oh where's that seam stretcher that guy that got down the middle of the field back when Antonio Brown was on the other side that's just not there anymore Matt so it, it's a it's a different player than what we assumed he was a couple of years ago and to me that just I, I just wanted him to get a fresh start so he could potentially get back into that role where he could be more of a downfield threat. Yeah, like you said, it's a little bit crazy that he had the 97 reception we're not talking about. He was a he was a wide receiver too last year. He was fine. He was actually the most productive from a fantasy standpoint of any of the three wide receivers there. And now we've seen this kind of uh you know, all all three of their values are basically the same. I think our, our uh, one of our partners Ken Kelly put that out yesterday on Twitter uh, that all their three of their values are basically the same and the analyzer uh, uh Izzy from Dynasty Trade Calculator chimed in with his calculator and they they're basically the same there. The ADP is almost the same. So from a dynasty perspective, I think you just take your your favorite flavor here. Juju seems like the safest one to me to maintain value and then like we said, we just reset again at this time next year and see if he goes somewhere where he can be. Uh, uh, more of that uh, I don't know if we want to call him an alpha receiver at this point but you know something like that uh, for me though from these three I just want I want to take Claypool because mm-hmm. I think the, the upside is the highest from these three uh, but you know uh, Deontay has his his supporters as well and there's no reason you shouldn't take him all three of these wide receivers I think are a relative bargain uh, at this time this year where they could be relative where, where they could be next year I think it's great to mention Claypool there I, I should have done that as well because I saw a lot of comments on on Twitter, on DLF message boards leading up to this free agency, comments like, once Juju leaves, I'm buying Claypool. And, you know, it, it would have been too late at that point, honestly. But yeah. also, if if there's disappointment, not just in Juju, but if there's disappointment out there in Claypool that he's somehow not going to be able to take that next step 
because of this, uh, then he absolutely should be a trade target. Agreed. Fellas, the other big fish among wide receivers on the free agency market is Kenny Galladay, and he inks a new deal in New York to play with the Giants four years, $72 million, Matt. This is an interesting signing because, as we all know, in New York, they have a crowded depth chart, including Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Of course, Evan Ingram needs his touches, and Saquon's going to be back uh, in in that backfield, getting a lot of touches out of the backfield. So it's crowded, um, I'm wondering from you, outside of Galladay, the rest of this team, Daniel Jones gets a little bit of a bump, although he's never been that guy that, like Stafford did in Detroit, just throws it up to the guy and gives him a shot on those 50-50 balls. I don't think he's known as that kind of quarterback. It helps Daniel Jones, might hurt some of these other pass catchers, but could create more opportunities for them. It's, it's a it's a unique situation in New York with uh, with all the skill players. It really is, and I like all of the talent. I just wish we had a quarterback to be any excited about it all, honestly. I mean, Evan Ingram's going to be two years removed from that Liz Frank injury. Uh, you know, we have talk about him staying on the field, but signs are good there. Uh, but but Daniel Jones is a 62% passer. I mean, he was 31st in the league last year in, uh, in, in completion percentage. He was bottom third of the league in average yards game per attempt, bottom third of the league in yards per attempt. Uh, drop from what is it, 24 touchdowns to 11 touchdowns in, in two more games last season than he played in his rookie year. So it's just, it's just a can can he get the ball to all of these weapons? That even Sterling Shepard, I kind of like as a buy now. I think he's better as that that number two option. Golden Tate is gone, so he's exciting. If you still have, still a Slayton believer, I guess you know he's an option as well. So it's really kind of hard to pick which which target you want out of this passing game. And I don't know that Galladay is necessarily necessarily going to to benefit from the, from this. I think his situation is is probably even a little bit worse if you consider the quarterback change, right? Um, so. I don't know. I think it's Saquon and that's all Saquon and a little bit of hope for Ingram. But other than that, I don't know how much of this passing that I want, despite how how, how talented all of these weapons are. And certainly that offensive line factors into this yeah. as well. They've had their fair share of problems across that front five. They're, they're trying to uh, shore that up this off season as well. When, when it comes to these, these pass catchers, Ryan, um, first of all, what does it do for, for Galladay's value? And, and secondly, is does it help any of these other guys? Well, we've already seen Galladay's value go down, uh, according to our ADP. He was anywhere from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 18 from November of 2018 through November uh, through this past November, November of 2020. So basically two straight years. He's somewhere in that um, high-end wide receiver two range according to ADP. Now he's fallen to the low end. He's, he's wide receiver 23 right now. Uh, so I, I already think he's a value. And, and of course that was before this signing. So we'll see what happens next month. Um, how, how the community feels about, about this landing spot. But um, Matt talked about the, the deep balls, uh, which has, has really been Galladay's strength thus far. Uh, Rich Rebar had some good numbers and some very surprising numbers to me on this, uh, that Daniel Jones was actually second in the league in completion rate on deep balls. So that's 15 yards, uh, 15 yards or more, uh, 56% uh, passing on those deep passes this past season, which again, ranks second in the league. And then you kind of look 
Uh, you look within that 15-yard line, he ranked 38th in the league with just, uh, <laughs> just uh, let's see, 64%. So, um Maybe maybe it's good for uh, maybe it's good for Daniel Jones and I, I don't think it's necessarily bad for Galladay. Um, I, I do expect just because of the perception of Daniel Jones and and the Giants as a whole, I do kind of expect him to lose some value. But if he does, I'll be trying to buy at that point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that that if if that value dips any more, Galladay is going to be one of those trade targets for sure as we. As we move forward, I'm I'm intrigued for sure, and I gotta say I've been in on Daniel Jones before. And I'm I'm starting to think that maybe he's a buy low once again in these superflex leagues. I I already have him in all those leagues, so uh, he might have a chance. I, I like the additional weapons for him. Hopefully, they can pr- protect him uh, in the pocket. Let's move on to a quarterback that signed a new contract. That's Jameis Winston. Signs back in New Orleans, fellas. Through just twelve passes. This past year, despite the Drew Brees injury, didn't throw an interception, so that's that's good news. Uh, of course, there uh, there's still questions to be answered when it comes to who's going to be under center full time in New Orleans this coming year. There's questions whether Jameis Winston, because of the maybe the lack of big money in that contract, that he uh, that that he, they're actually going to rely on him. It is just a one year contract, Ryan. How do you feel about Winston in your super flex leagues? Are you, are you willing to dive in and, and depend on him as a quarterback two on your roster? Or are you, you thinking he's a more like that quarterback three, uh, maybe even low end quarterback three type player until we see what happens in new Orleans? Yeah, he's, he's certainly risky. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I mean, you use the word rely. I don't, I don't think we can rely on him based on what we've seen. Um, we, we saw the, low salary numbers as you mentioned that tells me that maybe he didn't have any other options prior to free agency i was thinking Jameis to the bears Jameis to washington both of those would be exciting potentially exciting landing spots for him um maybe this was his only choice and maybe that's why he's now supposedly competing with Taysom hill for this job uh, we saw how that went last year that um uh, that Hill did get the starts when Drew Brees was out. So we know the upside is there with Winston if he can get on the field, especially with some of the weapons on this team. But no, I don't think we can rely on him or assume that he's the starter, especially for the entire season. Yeah, it's risky. The last time he was a full-time starter, we all know about the 30-30 season he had in Tampa Bay. What does it do, Matt, for these other players in in New Orleans? Because we all kind of assume that Hill and Winston are going to they're going to battle it out in camp for this starting job. And now Michael Thomas managers and Alvin Kamara managers were all kind of left in in hopes that whoever's under center can get them the ball in space. I'm I'm a little more optimistic, I guess, than Ryan. I've moved him up to I think quarterback nineteen in my personal rankings, so I'm fine with him as my quarterback too. I I do think he's going to be the starter. I, I think you know obviously Taysom Hill is going to take something away from him, uh, especially in the touchdown department. I'm sure, uh, but I have I have more confidence that he is going to get the majority of the snaps at the quarterback position than than. He'll, uh, so, I mean, if you look at the weapons, he, he, maybe you like, maybe he's going to unlock a deep ball game that Drew Brees um, had some difficulty at, at last year. You know, hopefully Michael Thomas is healthy. The slant is always going to be there. And, and you know, uh, we have we have Adam Troutman, I think, that we both like or all three of us like. But 
what what's he going to do? And we but we do know that Jameis Winston likes throwing to the tight end all the way back to the to his college. And I'm not talking about uh, Calvin Benjamin there. I'm talking about his tight ends in college as well. So he has a history of that. Um, I don't know. I I, I I see the reason to be hesitant, of course, but I also I, I think he was there for a year. He's he's rehabbed. He's got his LASIK surgery right, so he can see down the field. Uh, we make jokes about that, but maybe it was really a thing. And we know the coach that he has and, and his ability to put his players into into uh, positions where they're going to succeed. So I'm I'm confident in him. I'm confident in the weapons. You know, maybe a little bit less for for the uh, than, than they were with Breeze, but uh, I like I like it. He's a really interesting case study for for fantasy purposes because I think we could all agree that he his ultimate upside is a top five fantasy quarterback. He he can put up those kind of numbers because he does like to push it down the field and he does have weapons in New Orleans. But on the flip side, he he's like the QB forty on on the low end because he could get yanked out of so many games and and make so many mistakes that he can hurt your your dynasty team so it's an interesting place to be i'm investing in Jameis winston because the price is still low uh in the places i can get him in those super flex leagues i'm trying to grab him at especially if i already have the two quarterbacks and i'm trying to get an upside third guy Jameis winston is that guy for me Let's move on to the to really the ultimate landing spot for Chris Carson. It was back in Seattle. As far as dynasty perspective goes, uh, landing back with the Seahawks is ideal for his dynasty upside. Two years, uh, up to $14 million. There's, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter this week, guys, that this is really a one-year contract, most likely to to move on from, from him after this coming year. Nonetheless... Chris Carson has had had big seasons in Seattle, Matt, and he's he's done he's really the ideal running back in that offense with that coaching staff that wants to slam the ball between the tackles. Carson coming off a disappointing and injury plagued season where he ran for just 200 yards, but before that, back to back 1,100 yard seasons with 16 touchdowns over those two campaigns. Also, a, a, a guy that can catch a few passes out of the backfield, perennial perennially underrated uh Chris Carson back in Seattle if you got him on your dynasty roster you feel like okay at least I get another year out of this yeah I mean I don't think he has any trade value at all he if he's on your roster you're excited that you have a body at running back uh he's been obviously productive I think he's you know relative I think he's valued correctly. You know, honestly, running back 26, just behind Kareem Hunt, behind Javante Williams, behind A.J. Dillon, just ahead of Ronald Jones and the Kenyon Drakes and the Leonard Fournettes of the world, right? So uh, he's just he he's just a guy that you're going to plug in at your running back two spot, and you get what you get when he's healthy, and when he's not, you, you're not going to be able to do anything with him, right? So uh, it, it would have been nice to see if Rashad Penny could get some headway there. He tried to come back last late last season from the ACL that he suffered in late 2019. Uh, and then got hurt again, basically, right? So, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's more of a split there. Maybe DJ Dallas takes some of the some of the receiving work if there is any of that significant to be had. But he, he, you're just going to be doing the same thing that you've done been doing with Carson for the last couple of years. You're going to start him when he's healthy, and when you're not, uh, you're probably not going to be able to move him anyway. So he'll sit on your roster. Ryan, anything to add on Carson? No, totally agree with Matt. The the only thing I would say is I I, I think. All of everything Matt said makes him a good buy for for a dynasty contender. You yeah. are going to be able to get him for yeah. sure, probably for a second round pick. Um, 
you know, if you, if you find the right trade partner. So I like that, but yeah, you're right. You're, he, he's a, you know, he's a one-year rental basically. That's what it feels like. And, and really, honestly, that might be what the Seahawks are doing as well. Just a, just a stopgap, another body, as Matt mentioned there, that can, that can tilt the rock a little bit in 2021. Uh, we'll see what happens next offseason. But I like your thought there. If you're a contender and you need a guy that's going to get 15 to 20 touches a game, Carson could be your man. Will Fuller signed a new contract in Miami. He's going to the Dolphins for about $10 million. One-year deal again here, Ryan, for Fuller. Uh, As far as landing spots go, this doesn't seem all that bad. They need that field stretcher. Could help Tua a little bit. What are your thoughts on Fuller landing in South Beach? There there weren't many spots where Will Fuller could go that would have been as good as what he had last year. After DeAndre Hopkins moved on, uh, he was basically the top target. Uh, when he was was in the lineup uh, prior to his suspension and obviously had one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing to him. You know, now now it's Tua, and that offense is, uh, I don't know, maybe the offenses will be uh, on, on similar footing as they were or at, as the where the Texans were last year, I'm trying to say. But, uh, yeah, just, just feels like a downgrade, certainly a downgrade at quarterback and um, – yeah, just just another guy trying to cash in on that one year deal. Yeah, it's it's ten million dollars. You know, I I like to think about what it does for the rest of that offense. I can I can see him being that play action threat down the field because Miami likes to run so much. There's going to be big plays with Will Fuller as there always are, as long as he can stay on the field. Might help Devonte Parker a little bit, Matt, because he is the perfect complement to Parker, who's that bigger receiver, red zone threat, the guy that can go and make the contested catch. You don't want Parker running those vertical routes, which they were forced to do at times last year because of injuries. The Dolphins really, really needed Will Fuller. I don't know if the Will Fuller's dynasty value really needed the Dolphins, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's it's definitely a downgrade from his situation last season, but unless something miraculous happens with Watson, then it's pot- potentially a better situation than it could have been this season, right? So. Uh, I don't hate. I don't think anything happens to his dynasty value. I think we feel about <laughs> about Will Fuller how we feel about Will Fuller right now, and that's not really going to change unless Tua does take a big step forward and, and does make him that true wide receiver one. You know, so uh, I did listen to. Uh, I think it was a uh, late round quarterback and he had an injury expert on there was talking about Will Fuller and he didn't miss any games at, at, at Notre Dame. Apparently I've not confirmed this, but that's what the injury guy said. Uh, so, you know, this hamstring thing that has plugged him throughout his career in the NFL is, is new since he's been in the NFL. So, you know, maybe that is not, maybe he's as healthy as he's, he's very healthy this season. And like he has been in past seasons, uh, you know, regardless of the, the PED stuff. Right. So we'll have to see what happens there, but you know, this, this could work out for him. And if he hits the one year deal. So if he has a big season, then, you know, maybe he gets the big contract next year. Yeah, maybe he does either way. I think you're right that, that his value stays similar. And because of that one year window or that one year contract, now, we, we all know that he might get a reset once again a year from now, so we still see that upside even if he has to go to another uh, another city to, to play with a better quarterback or in a better offense. Well, here's a wide receiver that we, we all kind of seen coming where he was going to land. It's Curtis Samuel. He goes to Washington three years, $34.5 million. 
24 and a half guaranteed guys so they really wanted Curtis Samuel he's back with his old coach he's back with his ex-teammate at Ohio State Terry McLaurin this is a this is a really a nice landing spot it's actually one of my favorites guys because not only does it take the pressure off of McLaurin to potentially make him a better dynasty asset uh, it also pairs him with a quarterback who we'll get to here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that is not afraid to sling it down the field. So when Samuel's used as that deep threat, he'll get those opportunities. We all know that he they like to use him as that jet sweep guy or that creative kind of kind of jack of all trades around the line of scrimmage, and he can get touches that way as well. Ryan, it feels to me that Samuel landed in a good spot in his dynasty value, that arrow is pointing up. I think so as well, at least as far as the value goes. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure what to expect. I've kind of been flip-flopping on this landing spot. Um, obviously, the connections were there with um, with the previous coaching staff, but it was, it was last season when we really saw uh, Samuel play his best ball. Uh, so it, it really just comes down to how they try to use him. I know... In 2019, um, Carolina basically tried to force him into being a deep threat, uh, which did not work well. So if Washington uh, tries that again, you know, maybe maybe we'll be disappointed. Matt, what are your thoughts on, on Samuel Landon with, uh, with the football team? I'm, I'm more excited – uh, like you are, Dan, I guess, than, than Ryan seems to be. I, I, I love it. I think that at wide receiver 47, from a value perspective, I think that is it's pretty undervalued going around pick 95 in March uh, startup drafts. And he, if they use him like he should be used, you know, again, Sigmund Bloom's assumption of rational coaching here, but, you know, he could be the most versatile weapon in that offense. McLaurin is obviously the alpha there, but if you have, if, if you get creative both with both he and, and Antonio Gibson as receivers that could be exciting he can move around the formation play I think he could play really any any position on the field you could have have him in the backfield and split Gibson out wide you could have McKissick on the field with both of them and and do some really crazy things who have have no idea where the ball is going so I'm pretty excited about this you know it may not translate to a you know like an elite fantasy season but I think we can see a, a weekly wide receiver too uh, uh, here in most cases, so I, I like it. And at wide receiver forty-seven price tag, uh, I'm I'm buying for that price. Yeah, I'm buying as well. I really like it for all the all the reasons we talked about there. Uh, let's quickly touch on McLaurin here because it really feels like a win for McLaurin for me, Ryan. Just taking that pressure off of him. Also, like I said before, adding the quarterback that's willing to sling it in there. McLaurin could take another step forward in 2021. Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, regardless of my concerns for Samuel, both he and, and McLaurin get a bump with this quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, honestly, we've never seen, you know, say what you will about, about Cam Newton, but he was certainly nearing the end of his effectiveness uh, throughout the throughout Samuel's career in Carolina. So, um, and we've talked about it before. I, I don't think we've seen Terry McLaurin with a real quarterback either. So it, it's going to be uh, pretty exciting to see both of these guys with someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Matt, what are your thoughts on Fitzpatrick since we're talking about it? It, it seems like an optimal landing spot. He's going to be the clear starter in an offense that wants to take a step forward with some weapons already on the roster. Seems like he could be that 
that ideal quarterback two in a super flex lineup where if you're contending and you need a guy that that has big upside and and could put up points for you consistently Fitzpatrick could be your guy absolutely if he's your quarterback three you're 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 absolutely stoked about that I think uh, it might be your quarterback two most weeks depending on your situation if you're you know going on a like a, a couple of my teams where I have my starters are like Roethlisberger Fat Fitzpatrick uh Bridgewater you know guys like that you're absolutely excited to have them because the rest of your roster is probably pretty fantastic if you're if you're rolling with with three cheap options and I think Fitzpatrick is probably the best of those cheap options this season I don't know if you can quite get him for a third round pick in a super flex league but I bet a late second would be would be pretty easy to get done um so yeah I I have, I have no problems with that signing I'm excited about it yeah, depending on your league, uh, the price is going to vary a lot when it comes to Fitzpatrick. It feels to me like most of the leagues that I play in, people are pretty excited to have him on their roster. And even if they're not necessarily tr- you know, sure they're going to contend, they're going to hold on to him, uh, especially at a third-round price tag. It's probably going to take a little bit more to pry him away, but hey, it might be worth it depending on what you think uh Fitzpatrick's upside is in that offense let's pivot quickly to the tight end position guys and and really pivot to New England because you know everybody got excited on on day one of free agency when Jonu Smith inked his deal four years 50 million and then everybody kind of kind of shrugged their shoulders the next morning when they got the Hunter Henry to New England news three years 37 and a half Ryan if one of these deals are only done People could be pretty excited about it. But with both of them there, uh, there's reasons to be pessimistic about how impactful these two tight ends can be in the same offense with questions at quarterback. Yeah, I I guess I would probably just echo what uh, virtually everyone else in the fantasy uh, industry has said, that this definitely hurts both of these guys. Uh, Very rarely have we seen two tight end ones from the same team. Uh, really, over the past 20 years, we're talking about uh, Ertz and Goddard uh, got it done a couple years ago. And um, and then going back to the two guys, the two players that these two have been compared to, Gronk and, and Aaron Hernandez. And uh, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think either one of these are uh, anything like those two players as far as, uh, as their ability and, and their impact on the team. So they'll be fine. They'll put up points. Uh, most likely I would assume it's going to be hard to predict when those points come. You know, it, it could be a situation where they take turns uh, basically scoring and uh, they're, they're, they both have to lose value. I think they could both easily fall out of that tight end one range. We see Hunter Henry at tight end nine right now. Johnny Smith was already on the outside looking in at tight end 15. I think they'll both end up in that tight end uh, 13 to 18 range in, in ADP moving forward. Yeah, I I feel the same exact way. And like you said, there's going to be weeks where Henry has a big week and you feel like, oh, I missed out. And then the next week it'll be Smith and you'll have Henry in your lineup. And it's just, you know, it's really frustrating to on a in a tight end landscape, Matt, where we are aching for some value and some guys to to feel like we can put in our lineup every single week to lose these two guys is just gut wrenching as a dynasty manager. Yeah, and it's 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 not necessarily uh, that they're not going to get get some targets, right? Like I think that in terms of target share, like they they probably will be 
maybe not one and three, maybe not one and two, but maybe like one and three or two and three, something like that in terms of pecking order there. But the problem is the volume that that passing game is going to have. Cam Newton hasn't thrown more than uh, 495, the ball more than 495 times and uh, really only twice in his entire career, I think, right? And we saw it last year, that low volume. You know, there were there were many games where he didn't even have 100 yards passing uh, in that game, right? In those games, right? So that's the biggest concern for me. And I think there's a couple, if, you, if for some reason you are interested in one of these guys or want to buy low on them, I, it, I think there's a couple of different angles to look at here and I just don't know which is the right way. So I'm probably avoiding, but I think the, the common thinking is that, Henry is going to be the blocker and John is going to be the receiver, right? But, you know, we've seen that play out before where the guy we thought was going to be the blocker ended up being the more productive, you know, long-term over the course of the season uh, option just because they're on the field more. Uh, But in this case, you know, I think they're probably both going to be on the field a lot of the time unless they just hit on a receiver that they really like outside of what they already have. So, uh, yeah, it's really just a volume standpoint. That's, That's what knocks them down into... I guess the middling tight end two range for both of them at this point. Yeah. And it, you touched on it there. Cam Newton just doesn't deliver the ball accurately enough anymore to, to really count on these guys getting regular targets. And, and when you can't count on five or six catches from a tight end, you have to count on the touchdown, usually short yardage. And in that offense with Cam, he's the short yardage back. That's going to get the rushing score. So it's frustrating while we're on the topic of new England guys, we might as well, Touch quickly on Nelson Aguilar, Ryan, because he signed as well two years, $22 million. So he parlayed that that one season with the Raiders where he kind of came out of nowhere for for everybody, including dynasty managers, into a big contract, multi-year contract in New England. There's nothing to see here, right? Who knows? (laughs) Who knows, really? Because, um, (laughs) again, with Cam Newton throwing the ball, probably not. I'm probably just honestly avoiding all of the Patriots. I do think there's a chance they make a move in the draft to get one of these rookie quarterbacks. And uh, with, with the contract Newton got kind of like we said with, with Jameis Winston, he's not guaranteed to be the starter certainly through the entire season. Uh, I, I just don't know what they're doing. I mean, they overpaid Aguilar. They overpaid Kendrick Bourne. Um, they bring in the top two tight ends that were available as as we just talked about it, it just it just doesn't make much sense. But Aguilar could easily be the wide receiver one there, so I I think you could argue he saw a gain in value because of this. But but does that make him even a wide receiver three? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a flex guy at best. It it feels it feels gross to say that you're going to be depending sure. on him even for more than a game yeah. here and there. <laughs> I think I think they heard about that running backs don't matter thing, and then they were just like, no position matters except for tight end. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun to watch. I, th- I think it's going to be a disaster for fantasy, but I'm I'm, a, I'm excited to watch this offense yeah. play out. Why? All right, we'll see how it plays out. I don't I don't know I don't know what to be excited about there in New England. Uh, it's certainly not anything on the offensive side. Defense, I can get on board with that. That's going to be one of the better defenses in the league for sure. Since we're talking about AFC East wide receivers that signed, let's talk about Corey Davis, who goes from Tennessee to the New York Jets. Three years, $37.5 million, Matt. A lot of us were intrigued with Davis. Hopefully he can find that landing spot and that quarterback and that offensive guru. 
I don't know if any of that stuff happened. He's going to be the one, I think, in New York. Is that enough to add any value for for him in Dynasty? I don't know. I mean, do we believe that he can be the one now? I think, you know, Crowder. I, I think Crowder could be more productive than him next season. I mean, he's so no. Crowder, you just said I, no. I just, That's what I just, <laughs> I just don't see it with uncertainty a quarterback and him having to be the one on a talent deficient team. It just does not feel feel good to me. So, uh, I mean, I guess if you want to just look at it straight from the fact that he's upgrading from his target share, then there's that aspect of it, I guess. If you if you really think that he can be the guy despite never doing it really before, uh, on, you know, on a on a year-long basis, I guess we could say week to week he's shown shown that he can uh, in, in certain situations. But uh, I I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'd rather buy I I'd rather buy Jamison Crowder for, you know, half or a third of the cost. How about you, Ryan? What are your thoughts on Davis? I think I I do like it only because we haven't really seen the price uh, change much for Corey Davis, despite that uh, that breakout season he he had. I mean his his ADP has has grown, but you know not by much. Uh, one year ago he was the um, let's see he was the wide receiver sixty three. Now he's the wide receiver forty five. Uh, even even that near twenty spot jump is is not that significant uh, when you're looking at, at startup ADP or, or certainly when you're talking about trades in existing leagues. So I just still think he's fairly easy to acquire. Um, not as worried about the quarterback uh, just because, I mean, they're, they're making a move there, you know, I guess whether it's Zach Wilson or, um, or Justin Fields looks like it's going to be one of those two guys. So uh, not, you know, not really worried about Sam Darnold uh, and his struggles being a factor. Maybe, maybe Mims is the guy we should talk about here. You know, I don't. Does this affect him at all? Maybe Mims is good enough to be the one, and Davis can still be a two. No, they they seem like they're about even in value, though, don't they? If if you saw a Mims for Corey Davis trade, that doesn't sound all that bad. Well, the, I mean, they also they also brought in Keelan Cole, right? So. And I mean that's not necessarily a, a big fantasy impact, but if if you're a team that is basically you you you've brought in a new coaching staff, you're expected to bring in a new quarterback, and then you go out and sign two free agent wide receivers, even if one of them is Keelan Cole, that doesn't make me feel good about Denzel Mims at all. Yeah, it, and probably about what the new coaching staff thinks of Mims because that was a different regime that brought him in. So we'll see how that plays out. I still. I still have hope for Denzel Mims in that offense. He, he's going to have to take a step forward in year two because, as we all know in the dynasty community, we we get we get over these guys relatively quickly if it doesn't happen early. How about back? Uh, we'll take a trip back to the running back landscape and uh, talk a little bit about Kenyon Drake. He signs to be a backup in Las Vegas, two years, eleven million dollars. Matt, anything here with with Drake and his value playing behind Josh Jacobs? It it. it... I think it kind of destroys Josh Jacobs, honestly. I mean, we we wanted we were hoping that 
we've been hoping forever since he came out that he, they were going to take advantage of his receiving work and what does Kenyon Drake do 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 best? In my opinion, it's his work in space as a receiver uh, out of the backfield, and we've seen them use Jalen Richard as that in the past, taking vo- taking volume and uh, uh, receptions away from Jacob. And Kenyon Drake is probably better than Jalen Richard at this point, right? So I just I think it's bad. I think Jacobs is going to be that early down guy, and you're going to want a touchdown, or you're not going to be happy uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, and Drake, you know, he gets two, three maybe four catches a game, you know, something like that, and, and, and hurts Jacob's value from that perspective. So I, I think this is bad all around for both players. Yeah, it, it just makes you angry as a Jacobs manager because you you still see the upside of him as a pass catcher, and clearly John Gruden and that coaching staff does not. They want to take him off the field, and when they invest this kind of contract into a backup running back who, like you said, primarily is a pass catcher, it just points to a a PPR downgrade once again for Josh Jacobs, Brian. Yeah, well, they. I mean, there were signs of this last year, right? Last year they um, brought in uh, or they drafted Lynn, Bow- Lynn Bowden as a, um, as a running back, and we thought he would be that pass-catching running back. And even though that specific move didn't work out for the Raiders uh, as they ended up trading him, it, it at least told us their their – thought process and um i think they they signed somebody else in free agency was that when they added Devonte booker maybe and uh yeah the moves yeah re-signed jaylen yeah Rashard they brought too. back Rashard. so yeah they they don't want to use jacobs as a pass catcher that's that's very very clear now and really it should have been last year as well um so this move just hurts both of their value Yeah, it feels like it submarines both of them, and that's unfortunate, uh, especially for those that invested in Jacobs over the last year or so. There are a handful of other notable signings. We'll get to as many of these as we can. I do want to touch on Marvin Jones to Jacksonville, guys. Ryan, he gets a two-year contract, $14.5 million, $9 million guaranteed. Feels like uh, he's going to be on the field quite a bit. Field stretcher for Jacksonville, new quarterback, new coach. Uh, there's a little bit of intrigue as as maybe one of those flex guys, a guy that can you can get for almost free in dynasty leagues or, or pretty cheap at least, and could potentially be in your starting lineup at least on a part time basis this year. Yeah, totally agree. I think uh, most people will look at that and assume he's buried behind Chark and Chenault. Uh, the reality is both of those guys. I mean, obviously Chenault just just one year in. Uh, but both of those guys have been up and down and, and shouldn't be viewed as, as a sure thing, even though we like the upside of both of them. So, yeah, there's certainly a role for Marvin Jones, at least in 2021. Yeah, short-term upside as a, a downfield target, a red zone threat, a guy that could catch some touchdowns in that offense. Uh, Matt, anything to add on Jones? No, not really. I, I think it says more about maybe how they feel about Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a depth move. I don't know. It felt like they have a, a, a pretty deep wide receiver group as it was uh, before Cole left, right? Uh, but I was going to say that maybe it says more about Shark than than uh, it does necessarily about Chenault. Uh, I think I, I, I would way rather have than Chenault than either of those guys. But you know, if I can, if I want to hedge on Trevor Lawrence, I would rather buy Marvin Jones than Shark at this point. Yeah, outside, you know, Chenault's going to play on the inside. Chark mixes in on the inside. Marvin Jones is a is a perimeter receiver, you know, almost exclusively. He's going to run those vertical routes. They're, they're going to try to get Colin Johnson involved, and 
Uh, I think D.D. Westbrook is still there. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, <laughs> they have a lot of receivers. They got a lot of receivers, but I, I really do think, it feels to me like Marvin Jones is going to be on the field full time. Let's lump a bunch of these running back signings together. Jamal Williams to Detroit. Yeah, that's not all that good for multiple reasons. Two years, $6 million. Philip Lindsay to Houston. That You can say what you want about that. Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville to, to back up Robinson. And Marlon Mack gets a new contract. One year, $2 million. Ryan, of these remaining running backs, what catches your eye? Certainly, Philip Lindsay. I mean, he would have been uh, he would have been the one I was most interested in heading into free agency of of that group you just mentioned. And I think he lands in the spot where he can have the biggest impact. I uh, don't really trust David Johnson to to stay healthy or or really even to perform at a high level. So, would not be surprised if Philip Lindsay led that team in uh, in fantasy points. Matt, how about you? Is it Lindsay for you as well? Lindsay is the most intriguing signing, I think. Uh, but I, but Brian covered that pretty well. Uh, I want, I do think that. I don't know. I, I don't have a, a finger on the pulse yet, but I think people are just saying that Jamal Williams in Detroit doesn't matter for uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, and I kind of think that it does. We saw him uh, get a lot of receiving work last last season. We saw him be like that that player that the that the coaches trust to be in the right place at the right time. He's a he's better in pass protection. Uh, so you know, I'm not saying he's going to make. DeAndre Swift, you know, not necessarily a running back one for dynasty purposes, at least in terms of where we're drafting and valuing him. But from a production standpoint, I could see it definitely affecting them. And then the other one, you know, obviously not an exciting signing at all, Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville. Uh, but I think it solidifies, maybe not completely, but I think it solidifies James Robinson value a little bit for uh, 2021. I think it's a lot better news than if they were to draft a, a, a rookie high or, you know, have gone after Aaron Jones, something like that. So, you know, you could say Carlos Hyde is Urban Meyer's guide, whatever. Uh, but I think, I think it gives a little bit more credence to Robinson, you know, maybe not necessarily getting his, I think it was like 86% of the rushes last year and, and most of the receptions, right? So maybe he doesn't get quite that much, but even if we take 20% off of uh, what Robinson did last year, he'll he'd still be, you know, a, a, a fringe running back one, mid mid running back two. And his price isn't really reflecting that necessarily right now. So um, he's someone I'm, I'm still interested in and Hyde is, is good news, I think, uh, uh, for for him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Going back to Jamal Williams, he's had between 107 and 153 carries per year always in the 400, 500 yard range, about four yards a carry for his career, but also it is always within the 34 to 45 uh, target per season range. And I know it's a new coaching staff, but they're going to like Jamal Williams, just like both coaching staffs that he had in Green Bay. He's a likable guy. He's a really hard worker and they're going to find a role for him. So while he's not going to eat into Swift's workload to the point that Swift loses a huge chunk of value, he's going to be a thorn in the side and he's going to score a few touchdowns that we all think should have been Swift. He's going to catch a few passes that we all think should have been Swift. So uh, I think we all got to get on board with that or else we're going to be surprised once the season comes. Let's do the same thing for wide receiver guys. A.J. Green signs in Arizona, one-year contract for him. John Brown gets the same, a one-year contract for him in Las Vegas. And Brashad Perriman in Detroit, 
one year, $3 million there. So there's there's a handful of signings here, guys. I know A.J. Green probably has the most uh, bang for your buck when it comes to name recognition, but is there somebody that we're investing in for a low price tag of a guy that we can get this veteran into our lineup? Well, when you look at, at John Brown with the Raiders and Brashad Perriman in Detroit, I mean, both of those guys have the chance to be the wide receiver ones for those teams. Uh, the Raiders with the, the unproven young guys and in rugs and Edwards uh, Brown could be the top. I shouldn't say the top target. We know that's Darren Waller, but uh, he could be that top receiver target. And then kind of the same story with Perriman in, in Detroit. So I would, I would side with Brown of that group. Yeah, I would as well. He's the name that sticks out in the landing spot. We saw what Algalar did there last year. There could be a role to fill. There's one other name we should probably throw in since we're talking about Perriman in Detroit. Uh, they also signed Tyrell Williams, Matt. Any of these guys really intrigue you as, as a guy that can add some dynasty value throughout the season? Uh, in terms of Detroit, I'm, I'm saying Hawkinson is, is, is about to join that elite tier just based on volume. I think, uh, we might be talking about him like we talk about Kelsey and Kittle, I think next season. So that's the, the bonus for me there. I'm not, I'm not excited about, I don't, I don't think Drew, I don't think Jared Goff is the guy to unlock Brashad Perriman, uh, or, or Tyrell Williams really. So I'm not excited about that. Uh, I know, I know it's going to be a joke and I know Brian and I have both been the one saving AG, AJ Green from not being drafted in recent mock drafts, but you know, if we go back to 2015, imagine a team with A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins as their receivers, right? So uh, that's probably not going to translate to much for him. It'll probably be similar to like a um, like a Fitzgerald has been the last couple of seasons, if he can even be healthy and stay on the field. But what does that say about – does it say anything about Kirk? Does it say anything about, I guess, Isabella? Like he, he seems dead at this point, right? So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a depth, a depth move, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued at least by A.J. Green going there if he's healthy. Guys, we talked about Jameis Winston. He was a quarterback signing. Of course, we hit on Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. There were a couple of Andy Dalton's going to be a starter in Chicago. Do we want to hammer away at that? Or Mitch Trubisky is a backup in Buffalo. These these were signings. Are they even even worth really talking about? Nobody's starting Dalton in a superflex league. I hope not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no doubt. I mean, there's somebody starting him. If you're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick or. Uh, Cam Newton, you probably are are okay. Like on some weeks, maybe starting Dalton, but no. Not well, there's going to be bye it. weeks, so maybe we right. have to. But man, that's Matt, brutal. You gotta, you, you've got the Fitzpatrick hate here. He is not going. I do not. not going I love for a him. Third I love rounder, it. And you can't group him in with Andy Dalton and Cam Newton at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm. I'm speaking more. He could be a quarterback one. I'm not speaking from production. He could be a quarterback one in 2021. Absolutely he could, but that doesn't mean anybody's going to give you a first for him. He's closer to a first than a third in a, in a trade. Ooh, okay. I think so too. I, I do. Yeah. Even, even with the age and the one-year contract, it feels like he's in line to have a big season. So let's skip over Trubisky and, and even Dalton. Cause I don't know what the Bears are doing <laughs> there. Uh, there's a few tight ends worth mentioning. Gerald Everett to Seattle. That's intriguing. One-year, $6 million. Jared Cook to the Chargers. He's filling those shoes of, of Hunter Henry uh, in L.A. One-year, $6 million. Then Gronk, of course, goes back to Tampa Bay. What are we thinking here? Is there somebody who can jump into the tight end one conversation for 2021, Ryan? I love Jared Cook's career. He he just chases 
elite quarterbacks, right? I mean, he he tried it with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. That didn't really work. Things worked a little bit better with Drew Brees in, in New Orleans the past uh, couple of years. And now he's he's moved on to a younger version with Justin Herbert. So, yeah, he's going to be undervalued again. And obviously Hunter Henry is gone. Uh, I, I like uh, I like Jared Cook as a value. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely. Gerald Everett is the landing spot for me is disappointing. Yeah. I would have liked to see him go somewhere where he could have seen a little bit more volume. Um, so uh, disappointing there. I, I, I think it says more about Tyler Higby. We talked about a little bit of him, I think, last week when we talked about the tight end uh, tiers. Uh, but yeah, a little disappointing in Seattle. Guys, before we get out of here, which free agent signing are you most excited about? And then on the flip side, which one just devastated you as far as dynasty value goes, man? Curtis Samuel, most exciting and devastating. I guess I guess Janu. I, I would have liked to see him get unlocked, so that, that sure. kind of sucked. Ryan, do you have a couple guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick probably is the one I'm most uh, interested in and excited about, not just because of him, but of what we've talked about. with. And people call you an ageist, right. Ryan. <laughs> crazy, crazy talk. Um, but no, excited to see what he can do for that offense, as, as we've already talked about. Um, I don't know if there's one I, that, you know, that really upset me. I mean, the, the, the New England tight end thing is, is certainly weird. Um, yeah, not, not, none really. I'm, I mean, I'm still waiting for Leonard Fournette. I want to see a good Leonard Fournette landing spot. And, sure. and there's still several teams out there that need a running back. So, I, Yeah, and, an, and another guy with a little age behind him that McDowell's talking about. You're turning over a new I leaf, so. I think. Uh, for me, for me, it was Samuel and it was Fitzpatrick that washing that, that I really like what Washington's doing there. I think that offense is going to be a lot better and that defense will be just as good. So that's exciting for their dynasty prospects moving forward. As far as a disappointment for me, I think it was Jamal Williams just because it, it hurts, uh, Deandre Swift. And I thought he was like a sneaky one to land, um, in Arizona or somewhere and, and, and see a slight uptick in work and jump into that low end running back two conversation. Somebody that, that because I have so many shares of him uh, over the years that might get a jump in, in value. And that just didn't happen. He's, he's going to continue to be overlooked. What are your thoughts on Chase Edmond? Anything? Do you think they're just going to draft somebody? Like it doesn't seem like they're going to bring anybody that could be a threat, but do you think they're going to draft somebody? It feels like they will, that, that, whether it be early or or in the mid rounds of the draft that they're going to add somebody to it and and the Edmonds balloon is going to be popped in among dynasty Run, running back managers. 40 right now yeah it, it's picking bit. up it's wouldn't you say ryan that it's picking up steam though it feels like there's people getting on board the chase Edmonds express yeah i think so and i mean they have to add something right like they have Edmonds and and yeah. Eno Benjamin, and that's about it. So, yeah, they're going to add something, whether it's signing one of these uh, free agents that is still sitting out there. And, and there's several. I mean, I mentioned Fournette, but uh, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, you know, a lot of name value still out on the market, uh, whether we still believe in those guys at all or not. Name value, but <laughs> name value is different than football value <laughs> when, a, when a player goes to a team specifically because he won't get used as a workhorse that doesn't well actually you know kind of yeah, on that, that note isn't. if they sign Fournette, i would not feel great about Kenyon drake but if they sign Le'Veon bell or todd Gurley, 
then uh, I, I I said Drake, but I meant Edmonds there. Yeah, you meant so it, yes, if sure. they sign one of those yeah. uh, one of those type of players, then yeah, then I'm in on Ed, Edmonds for sure. Yeah, there there's still some chips that need to fall for sure. There there's uh, some guys that will sign, and then of course the NFL draft is just a couple of weeks away, right around the corner. Really, uh, I think just over a month. So um, we're we're gonna answer some more questions. We're gonna be disappointed a little bit more. Hopefully, we continue to see landing spots that add to the value of some of these dynasty players. That's probably enough for this episode. Enough. Uh, enough free agency talk really we're going to get d- dive more into these rookie prospects as we move forward as we get closer to the draft uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast we appreciate you joining us and we'll catch you again next week